best way to open up the readings today was to read you a little poem by the children's author Roald Dahl. It's a poem called The Tummy Beast. So I hope you can follow the story. So, one afternoon I said to my mummy, who is this person in my tummy? Who must be very small and, th- very, sorry, who must be small and very thin, or how could he have gotten in? My mother said from where she sat, it isn't nice to talk like that. It's true, I cried. I swear it, mummy, there is a person in my tummy. He talks to me at night in bed. He always asks, he's always asking to be fed. Throughout the day, he screams at me, demanding sugar buns for tea. He tells me it is not a sin to go and raid the biscuit tin. I know quite well it's awfully wrong to guzzle food the whole day long, but really I can't help it, mummy, not with this person in my tummy. You horrid child, my mother cried. Admit it right away, you've lied. You're simply trying to produce a silly, asinine excuse. You are the greedy little, you are the greedy guzzling brat, and that is why you're always fat. (laughs) I tried once more. Believe me, mummy, there is a person in my tummy. I've had enough, my mother said. You'd better go at once to bed. Just then, a nicely timed event delivered me from punishment. Deep in my tummy, something stirred, and then an awful noise was heard. A snorting, grumbling, grunting sound that made my tummy jump around. My darling mother nearly died. My goodness, what was that, she cried. At once the tummy voice came through. It shouted, hey there, listen you. I'm getting hungry. I want eats. I want lots of chocks and sweets. Give me half a pound of nuts. Look snappy or I'll twist your guts. (laughs) That's him, I cried. He's in my tummy. So now do you believe me, mummy? But mummy answered nothing more, for she had fainted on the floor. (laughs) Now maybe it's just a sign of how strange my brain is, but that's what came to my mind when I was praying in the chapel this morning. Um, Because I think these readings reveal something quite profound about us as human beings. There is this hunger inside of us you know, and I think that's probably the best way to explain it, that there's like, it's like someone in our stomach, someone in our tummy, crying out every day, feed me, feed me. Now, it's not just for food, although I'm sure that does consume our thinking for a lot of our day. But there's an emptiness, there's something we're constantly crying out for. And it's never enough. You know, there's never enough fashion or never enough novelty or entertainment or, you know, new little nice things. You know, the whole of the economy is built on this. You know, just to feed the hunger. And really, the whole way that we encounter God is based on that. You know, you ask the average person about church or about Jesus, and they'd say, well, it's it's boring. Really, what they're saying is it doesn't feed my hunger. I can get that at the markets on a Sunday morning. That's much easier. Um, And really, I think what we've got here in these readings starts to break open something of the real mystery of what are we actually doing here? You know, St. Paul hits us in this second reading saying, I urge you in the name of the Lord not to go on living the aimless kind of life that pagans live. Now, in a sense, what he's talking about is that life which is just driven by hunger. You know, because if you were to look at the life of the pagans, particularly back in the Roman Empire, because they were the experts at this, 
The whole of the society was about how do we just feed this endless hunger? And as I said, I mean, the Romans were really good at this. You know, endless pleasure. Like the whole of their existence was just entertainment and more promiscuity and more, you know, wealth and wine and food and very similar to our modern world. And I think we can often fail to realise that we're actually caught up in that. You know, I often think about, you know, compare how much time you spend listening to the gospel as opposed to how much time you spend listening to television or radio or movies. And just compare the amount of preaching you're getting because all of that's preaching. Every moment you're sitting at home in front of the TV, someone is preaching to you pretty much the pagan worldview. There's a hunger that needs to be filled and we've got the product right here. You know, and we can so easily just get caught up in that. You know, that all of our energy is just focused in on me. It's all turned inwards. Feed this emptiness. And as with that little poem, you you can learn pretty quickly whether that is dominating you by stopping. You know, try and stop feeding the hunger and just wait to hear that little voice rise up from inside of you saying, feed me now or I'll twist your guts, as it said. (laughs) This is why people don't like fasting. This is why people don't like, you know, even sharing. (laughs) I'm happy to share with people as long as I get the best bit first and you get the the scraps. You know, it's, it's good to become aware that there is that little voice inside of us that dominates us and drives every decision we make. And this is what Paul is trying to say. What we need here is an absolute revolution in our thinking. So he says, your minds must be renewed by a spiritual revolution so that you can put on the new self that has been created in God's way in the goodness and holiness of the truth. You know, where originally we're also focused in on us, like we're turned inwards. Conversion is to be turned inside out, but to be turned outwards. Where I'm now focused really on relationship, but but see, even that, you know, sometimes our relationships are just trying to feed more hunger. But this is where it becomes a real love where I'm caring for you. I'm laying my life down for you, even if I get nothing back. And even the way that we start to encounter God becomes the same thing. Because Jesus mentions here, the only reason you're wanting to make me king is because I gave you bread. That's a good question to ask. Is the only reason you pray because God makes you feel good? You know, and when you stop feeling good in prayer, do you stop praying? You know, maybe we're just the same as these people. You know, we're simply going to God as just another avenue to feed that hunger. You know, we love to come to Mass when it's exciting, when the preaching's good, but when it's boring, we'll go to another church. Because once again, we're being called into real relationship, real encounter. You know, that what our hearts are looking for is not just that superficial satisfaction, but actually real intimacy. You know, to really lay down our lives in, in real sacrificial love. That's where our hearts will be satisfied. Now, I think this is really where we start to understand the role of the church and the Christian community. You know, for 
the whole of the last 2,000 years, the church has said that we need church. You cannot be a Christian without church. And that just sounds like a marketing campaign to get more people coming here and, you know, filling the, the pews. And a lot of people get very cynical saying, you know, can't I just be a good Christian at home? But really the whole thing is we need to be in a place which is helping us go against that sort of gravitational pull within us. Left to ourselves, we're always going to turn inwards and it's always going to become about us. We need to be in an environment where we are constantly being called outwards. It's nothing extraordinary. It's really just our baptismal commitment. You know, we're going to lay down our lives for each other. We're going to encourage each other to pray. We're going to try and be living a committed lifestyle. The only thing revolutionary about it is that we're publicly holding each other to it forever. You know, so it's not just when I feel like it. You know, I know that there are going to be people around me every day calling me to this, calling me to look outwards rather than turn back inwards. And really, this is what the whole church is meant to be, that we need to be coming here every Sunday reminding each other of where real life is actually to be found. It's not to be found in entertainment and novelty and self-gratification. Real life is to be found when I've got to sit next to that annoying person and actually care about them. When I've got to meet that elderly person or that sick person and actually go beyond myself and actually say, let, let me care for you, let me go home and like, clean your house or bring you food or something. That's really what the Christian community is meant to look like. And I think the sad thing is that for most of us, we're not actually living that. You know, we're sort of living the theory and we come here and get lots of nice formation and hear homilies and talks about it, but we're never actually st taking that step to go and do it. And that's where we're missing out on life. We're actually cheating ourselves here. You know, we're still living the pagan existence and yet wrapping it up in a Christian veneer. You know, talking a lot of Christian talk, but not actually being that different. You know, so I think this is where community and the, and the church community is meant to call us out constantly. Put us in a position where we're actually meant to become love in action. And, and to realise that we're actually constantly meant to be moving. This is where it brings us back to the first reading, you know, because this image of the desert is, is really the image of, Christian, of the Christian life. God feeds them in the desert. He gives them bread. He gives them meat. But he only gives them what they need. He doesn't give them what they want. And the whole idea is you'll have enough to keep moving, but you'll never be satisfied because this is not where you're meant to live. That's, that's the subtext of what God's saying to the Israelites. You're not meant to live in the desert. And I don't want you to be so comfortable that you start building houses and gardens and pools and having big parties. Like, you're not meant to be in the desert. You're meant to be getting somewhere else. And this is the constant danger for us. It, it's really what St. Paul's warning the Ephesians about. Don't build your house here. If you are living in this sort of pagan mindset of always trying to feed your hunger, then you're going to start to try and make this life as comfortable as possible. It's going to become all about you. 
And you're going to try and build this to be your paradise. The whole thing is that we're on a journey. We're not meant to live here. We're meant to get to the promised land. And so it's actually good to be hungry. Because that hunger is going to cause you to keep walking every day saying, I'm not satisfied and I want more. You know, I'm going to try and care for those around me so that they can get up and keep walking with me. And we can walk together to the place where our hearts will be truly satisfied. So I think as a community, we need to really stand against this. You know, we need to be very self-aware and very honest of how we've allowed the thinking of our society to infect us. And even the decisions we make, you know, that, oh, we're too busy for that or we haven't got enough time for that. And, you know, because really the the deep decision is I've I've made my home here in the desert and I don't want to move. I want to just stay comfortable here. I think what Christ is saying to us in these readings is get up and move because I've got something so much better for you. Better than anything you've got currently. Get up and start focusing on each other, not on yourselves. Focus on the people who aren't here. You know, then you're going to find life. Focus on the people who are not in church and don't know life and start bringing it to them. That's going to be so much more satisfying than anything you can buy at the shops. This is the true bread that God wants to give us. It's not the bread that we find here on earth but it's the bread of real sacrificial love, of laying our lives down for each other. So my encouragement to you is next time you find yourself hungry, be aware of that voice rumbling inside of you and make a decision to not let it make the decisions for you. Start to get in control of it and cast it out. Say, I don't want that tummy beast to run my life anymore. I want my life to actually be driven by Christ.